The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Right, this morning we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 18, verses 31 through 33. And if you brought your Bible, I encourage you to follow along in that. Uh, to shed some context into the passage for today before we read it, uh, King David, he had a son named Absalom. And Absalom had his servants kill his brother, and he went off to lead an uprising against his father, King David. You thought your kids were a handful. Um, a massive battle took place between these two groups, and David had, asked, had, David had asked his army to spare Absalom if they encountered him, which brings us to today's reading. And behold, the Cushite came, and the Cushite said, Good news for the Lord my king. For the Lord has delivered you to this day from the hand of all who rose up against you. The king said to the Cushite, Is it well with the young man Absalom? And the Cushite answered, May the enemies of the, my lord the king and all who rise up against you for evil be like that of that young man. And the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he wept, he said, O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I had died instead of you, O Absalom, my son, my son. All right. So, we get this fun passage today. Uh, last, last week, uh, Leon said he got the toughest passage. I don't know. I think this might be a little bit tougher. Uh, if you read the context, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we've got to unpack before we really get to that verse. And um, we actually have to go through six chapters, all right? So we're going to be here a while, so buckle... No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> buckle in. Um, we're going to go through it quickly. And as we do, we're going to weave our own story through that and, and how we relate to that. Our, our uh, theme is uh, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Well, uh, in this case, David loses a lot. And today's topic is sorrow. So we're going to look at sorrow and what that means. And um, uh, the last couple of weeks, my wife and I, Carrie, have been watching uh, This Is Us. Anybody seen that show, This Is Us? It's a great show. It's on NBC. It just started this year. But it follows this family from their uh, birth of their kids all the way up till they're in their like mid-30s. And it just keeps doing flashbacks back and forth. But what I love about this show is that it's really real. I mean, you see the messiness of families, but you also see the beauty of families, right? And that's what this passage today is all about, right? You see uh, the messiness of David's life and his family, but you also see the beauty of, of how God works through that. Um, so here's our story for today. Uh, what you have to know about David's family, though, it's not like your typical family, all right? Now, David had uh, nine wives that we know of. All right, a little, little weird there. And 10 concubines, which were his women on the side. So not a typical family as we would know in our American context, but, uh, but you could see how his family would be a little bit different, a little bit more messy than, than what we know today. Um, and we're going to look at three themes on redeemed. We're going to look at uh, uh, reactive sorrow, uh, re repentant sorrow, and redeemed sorrow. So three, three themes on sorrow as we look at today. All right. So let's dig in our story. Here's our story. It starts um, in 2 Samuel 13. And this is uh, one of David's sons, Amnon. And Amnon all of a sudden gets this uh, weird craving desire for his stepsister. All right? Story starts off really great, right? Uh, one of these soap opera stories. Gets this craving for his sister, this desire for his sister. He's just pacing in his room. What do I do? And his good friend Jonadab says, well, let's come up with a plan. We can seduce her. And he's like thinking, whoa, what kind of friends do I have? But, 
but he goes along with this plan. Uh, he pretends to be sick. Everybody's helping him out. And uh, Jonadab's plan is to, to let everybody out of the room except for Tamar. And while she's there, he rapes her. And uh, as soon as he does that, he, he feels this immense hatred and, and just uh, ugly passion for Tamar. And, and from that point on, we hear nothing about Tamar. Okay? So, uh, what happens from this point on, right? Uh, Amnon just raped his half-sister, and so his brother Absalom comes in the story, all right? Absalom we, we heard about, um, but here's the big thing, is David does nothing. He doesn't punish Abnon or, Amnon or Absalom, he, or doesn't punish Ab, Amnon, doesn't do anything to him, but uh, he just sits back and you don't hear anything about him in the story. Tamar gets to just suffer in silence. And so here's the thing is that uh, Absalom says, I got to do something. I got to avenge my sister being um, taken advantage of, and I've got to do something to my stepbrother. And so he comes up with this plan. It takes about two years to come up with it, but he says, I'm going to lead him into the forest, and he's going to go in the forest, and I'm going to have all the rest of my brothers gang up on him and kill him. So that's what happens, is they kill Amnon, and Absalom is... Uh, now guilty of murder, and so he flees. He flees the kingdom and uh, goes, in, goes into hiding for three years, all right? And that's where our story uh, pauses with reactive sorrow. And we get really two pictures of how people deal with sorrow here in this, this story so far, right? We get the picture of, of David who does nothing, right? And we call that um, the, the flight moment. If you've taken any kind of psychology class, you know that our immediate response is either fight or flight, right? And David kind of flights. He just does nothing. We, we don't know why. The story doesn't really say, but, but he chooses not to act at all, right? Then the other side, we get the fight, right? And we get Absalom where he fights and he ends up avenging Tamar's death by killing his stepbrother, right? Now, these are all caused by loss, right? We all have losses in our life at time, right? Sometimes uh, our losses are, are caused by uh, a loss of a job or a loss of a loved one or a loss of part of our identity or something we've known for, for a long, long time, right? And so loss is a, a common part of life, right? Loss is, is part of life. And how do we deal with that? How do we react to that is really the key to, to dealing with life healthfully and effectively. And as you see, David doesn't really deal with it well on this side, and neither does uh, Absalom on this side. Um, we'll look at the third way later on in our story, but, uh, but for now, uh, there's not a real healthy way. Um, I was listening to a podcast uh, this last week. It was called The Robcast, and, and he was talking about um, that, you know, a year ago, people weren't really talking about politics, right? They, they weren't really talking about things, and now, whether you like it or not, people are. And people are fired up, and, and, and while you may not always be excited about the outcome or, or what's going on, at least people are talking about real things and about real life, right? And, and this is his argument he makes in this podcast, is he says, you know what, people were talking about the ending of, of series they binge-watched or all these things a year ago, but now people are talking about real-life issues that affect our country, that affect people as human beings, and all these tough subjects, Right? And I think this is kind of what has led us to, to not, uh, to, to in a way fight, but fight fairly with dialogue, but also not to just ignore it and hope it goes away. And so we've, we've had to come face to face, and that's, that's part of that third way that we'll talk about in a minute. So, so that's the first one, uh, reactive sorrow. Sorrow choose, or helps us or makes us react in some way. The second part is repentant sorrow. 
And so our story continues here. Remember, Absalom is off in the forest. David is uh, at his kingdom. He's mourning, and it takes him a couple years to, to, to mourn, but finally someone convinces him, an, uh, a wise old woman convinces him to bring Absalom back to the kingdom. And so he sends someone to go bring Absalom back. He comes back. He lives on his own. But for two years, Absalom and David never interact, never talk, never meet. All right? But at least he's back in the kingdom, right? Then one day, they cross paths. And Absalom is afraid for his life because he thinks he's going to get what he deserves, right? He thinks he's going to uh, get killed by his father because he killed one of his other sons, right? Um, but David does nothing, right? Uh, David, David does nothing, right? Um, and so Absalom then somehow turns inside and says, huh, maybe my father, he's still upset as his father, maybe my father needs to be taught a lesson, right? And he starts to get uh, very prideful, right? And, and he says, I am going to come up with a plot to overthrow my dad, right? So what he does is he, the Bible says he's a good-looking man and that he's got a lot of charisma and he starts to serve people in kindness and he wins people over. And he wins people over and then after a couple years, he, he leaves the city and people start to leave with him and they chant his name. They're like, Absalom, Absalom, right? And they want him to be the new king and not David anymore. And David leaves the city for fear of his life. Right? He's afraid of his life. He's afraid of a revolt. And so he leaves. And, um, and uh, so then Amnon, or Absalom, comes back. And this is what he does. He decides, out of spite, to sleep with all of David's concubines. David gets upset. This story just gets more and more twisted and weird, right? Uh, David gets upset, comes back. And because Absalom waited to do anything about overtaking David, David has time to, to rise up an army, and he gets uh, an army together, and then kills 20,000 of Absalom's followers, who were formerly David's followers, but had gone to, to his side, and he kills them and comes back. So they end up battling in this forest, all right? And this is where, where our verse was. They end up battling in this forest, and for some reason, Absalom's riding a mule, all right? I don't, I don't know why he's riding a mule. It doesn't seem very noble or, you know, right? But he's riding this mule in this forest, and as he's riding, his head gets stuck, like wedged in between tree branches, and the mule just keeps on going, and he's stuck there, hanging. He's not dead, but he needs help. And some of David's men come to find him, and as these men come to find him, uh, David's orders were explicitly not to kill Absalom if they found him, but they do, because they're upset, because this guy has ruined their kingdom. These are some of David's top advisors, and, and they're, they're mad, right? They've lost their jobs. They've lost their influence because, because he's taken them away from the, the throne in that way. And so, uh, so they end up killing him. They stab him multiple times. They bury him under a pile of rocks, and uh, they hide his body. Now David asks about uh, Absalom. And he finds out, and that's the verse we read, and he's heartbroken. He's heartbroken, and he weeps, and he says, God, why couldn't it be me and not my son? And I think this gives us an interesting picture of repentant sorrow. See, David didn't really show a lot of repentance. We saw that a little bit in the story of Bathsheba last week, but here he starts to finally see the consequences of his 
in action and starts to see that this was actually something uh, that he could have maybe had control over. Because now he's lost two sons and he has a daughter who's uh, uh, been abused and, and he just feels like a horrible father, right? And he has repentant sorrow and he's crying out to God. And I say this not because all sorrow is connected to our actions, but sometimes it is. And, um, you know, when I, was a, when I was a kid, I was not a very good kid. Uh, I, I stole a lot from, from my family. I stole from my friends. I stole from stores. Um, I, was a, I was a theft, right? I was a thief. And um, there came this one point where I was stealing baseball cards from a store. And I, I was real dumb and naive. I stole them from the store. I opened them outside of the store on the curb. All right, I'm sitting there, open them, and the, the store owner comes out. And as he comes out, he goes, where did you get those? And, and I nervously say, uh, over, over there at that store. He knew I was lying. And he says, if I ever see you around here again, I'm calling the police. Now here I am, I'm like a 10-year-old, and I'm, I'm like, oh great, a life of crime. Oh, what am I going to do? Uh, I can't get arrested. I can't go to jail at 10. Uh, and, and so I never went back to that baseball card store again. Um, some other things happened uh, within the few months after that, too. I felt like a horrible kid because I had been labeled as this, this, this bad kid. So I, I felt, well, what the heck? And so some things happened where I was throwing rocks one time at school, and I hit a girl in the forehead, got suspended for that. Uh, then I had the dumb idea of lighting a fire in the playground. Uh, they frown upon that at schools, I guess, and got suspended for that. So all of this happens in the span of a couple months, and I'm feeling like this horrible person, and my parents drag me to church. And I don't like going to church very much uh, at that age. I was, it was boring, and it just didn't relate to me. And I remember uh, it was a pretty traditional church. We were doing liturgy, and I remember these words so clearly for the first time. And there was these words that we said in our confession, and it said this, I, a poor, miserable sinner. And I'm like, yes, God, you're talking to me, right? <laughs> I confess everything I have done in thought, word, and deed by what I've done and by what I've left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I justly deserve your temporal and eternal punishment. And at that point, I'm thinking, here comes the lightning bolt. It's coming for me, right? But after that confession, after feeling like a horrible person that, yes, God knew everything that I had done, um, I had felt the ultimate repentance. Like, I, there was nowhere else I, had, I could go. I was at the end of my rope. And then come the sweetest words, and, and you'll hear it today. Those words of, of absolution, the words of grace, where, where God says, you are forgiven. All your sins are wiped as far as the east is from the west, Right? And that is really what repentant sorrow brings us. And this is our third point here, is redeemed sorrow. Redeemed sorrow. So our story continues with this. Our story uh, continues with David then sparing all of Absalom's followers, right? He had every right, because they, were, they formed a mutiny, that they, they went against King David. They, he had every right to kill them all, right? but he forgives them. He chooses to do nothing to them. Maybe that's inaction, but maybe that's, that's showing uh, grace, and he, he does that to them. But David's officials are furious at David, right? Because now they've risked their life for, for uh, David, and now all these people, who knows, they could rise up again, and they could come after them as part of David's kingdom. But David, nonetheless, 
uh, feels that, uh, that opportunity to, to absolve and to say, nope, I need to make things right. I need to redeem things. And he goes on to continue his dynasty and eventually dies, which Gabe will talk about next week. Um, but the, the beautiful part about that is that when David passes away, uh, Amnon and Absalom were next in line, but they are now no longer able to be king. And so the next in line is Solomon. And whether or not Solomon was a great king or not, that's to be debated, but Solomon built up this great temple for the Lord. He, was, uh, he, he taught a lot. He, he knew all these great things, and he eventually led to the bloodline of Jesus, right? We talked about that a little bit last week, too, that, that you had this imperfectness, this family that was messed up, that was screwed up, but God used every single one of those people until Mary and Joseph gave birth to Jesus, and he was perfect, right? He was perfect in that line. And that's beautiful, right? And Jesus was able to give his life, to give that grace for you and for me to die a bloody, bloody painful death on the cross, um, something we don't deserve, but because he redeems our sorrow. He redeems our sorrow, right? Um, he may not always take it away, but here's the, here's the great thing about Jesus is that he understands it, right? He understands our sorrow because he's gone through it, right? The Bible says he, uh, the night before he was uh, killed, that he was sweating blood because he was just stressing so much about uh, being crucified the next day and taking on the sin of the world, right? And no other, other, no other religion can claim this. I, I don't even know how I would make this story up, that, that your God would become this, this guy that would give up his life to serve others, right? And this is really that third way that we were referring to before, is that, yeah, you don't have non-action, you don't give in to violent action, but there's a third way where you take action with a servant heart. And this is what Jesus teaches us. This is what he does by giving his life. Is they, he's called the suffering servant, right? The suffering servant. He understands sorrow. He understands pain because he's been through it, right? And so in our darkest days, in our time of sorrow, whether you're going through that now or in the future or in the past, that, that Jesus walks with that and through that. And David's sorrow was eventually redeemed through the bloodline and through Jesus coming, and that ours will too. Maybe not today, but one day, right? Uh, Revelation 21 says, in heaven, there will be no more suffering, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more crying. The old order of things have passed away. The new have come. Uh, in Corinthians, Paul says this, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Right? That sorrow is taken away, that we have joy because of what Jesus has done, and we have that hope in this life and into the next, Right? And so the mission of this church of Axleander is to be the light of the world, right? To be the light of the world. And that's really what, what God calls us to do, to share that hope. That in the midst of sorrow and suffering, that we have a hope that we can hold on to and we can uh, look toward till that day when suffering is no more. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that, that you gave us Jesus. And in the messiness of this, this story and David's story that, that you sent your son Jesus to one day eliminate the world of sorrow and suffering, that you give us hope uh, to share that with the world. And Lord, we thank you that you suffered for us, that you died for us, 
so that we can one day be with you in eternity, Lord. Help us to share that with others. Empower us to, to share that message of grace and forgiveness as we uh, love and, and serve the people around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.